0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Living Well podcast, where we dive into all kinds of topics so that we can discover what it truly means to live well. Whether it's nutrition, exercise, mindset, or spirituality, figuring out what's truly healthy can feel like a never-ending cycle.
1: With this podcast, we hope to provide a deeper insight on the root problem with health in America, taking a more holistic approach and having genuine conversations with women from all walks of life who actively strive to live well. For our new listeners, my name is Michaela Lewicki, and my name is Francesca Dyke, and we are your hosts. We're so glad you can join
0: us today. Feel free to grab a coffee, grab a snack, and sit down with your girlfriends because we're about
1: to get into the nitty-gritty. On today's episode, we will be interviewing a special guest and having a conversation about hormone health and fertility. We actually covered a lot in this conversation and decided to split this interview into two parts. So this episode will be part one on hormone health, and then stay tuned next week for part two. All
0: right, let's introduce our special guest. Ginny Noche is a registered nurse and certified FEM instructor, currently pursuing her master's degree in human nutrition and functional medicine. She's working full-time in her private practice, the Woman's Health RN helping women restore their hormone health with a functional medicine lens through her one-on-one nutrition and lifestyle coaching program, The Hormone Academy. And we'll include links to her information in the show notes below. We are so lucky to have her here today, and we can't wait for you guys to listen to this episode.
1: Jenny, we're so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much for um, being with us. Um, we would love to hear a little bit about how you became interested in hormone health,
2: and hormonal health in general. That is a, a can of worms, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, I've always been interested in nutrition. Um, I was actually a competitive gymnast growing up, and then when I stopped um, in high school, I gained a little bit of weight, and then that's when I kind of found nutrition, And then um, through a series of events, I actually didn't um, really understand the connection between nutrition and hormones until um, in college um, I started having a lot of symptoms associated with hormonal imbalances, which at the time I had no idea which which, what that it was a hormonal imbalance until um, I started doing my own research and. Long story short, I was ended up diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is one of the most common reproductive disorders, and um, was not offered a lot of treatment options. Um, and so that's when I started to just dive into the research of how nutrition and lifestyle impacts hormones, um, and just have been obsessed, to say the least, um, with that connection ever since.
1: Wow, that is so interesting. Um, so can you share with us, or can you kind of give us an overview of the different hormones in women's bodies? Because I feel like, like I started getting really interested in, interested in this a couple months ago, but I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you, like, what the different hormones in our body <laughs> yeah, even meant. So would you be able to give us a brief overview of those and, um, like, their purpose in the woman's body?
2: Yeah, so there are a lot of hormones in the body. So I assume you probably mean your reproductive hormones, mm-hmm. but to kind of give a little overview of how hormones work, um, it's called the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. So you have hormones secreted from your hypothalamus, which then triggers your pituitary gland to trigger hormones, and those hormones in the pituitary gland talk to your ovaries to tell them to secrete different hormones. Um, and this actually works for different organs in your body. So you have the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, you have the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis. So hormones are being secreted from all of those different organs every day, pretty much all day long. So when it comes to more of the, you know, typical woman's health, reproductive hormones, um, the main ones that people are talking about um, are estrogen and progesterone. Now I talked about the hypothalamic pituitary, Now, the hormones that are secreted from there are called follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, and luteinizing hormone. And those largely play a role in Mm -hmm. causing the production of estrogen and progesterone from your ovaries. So, estrogen is responsible for building up your uterine lining, um, building up breast tissue. It's a proliferative hormone. Um, But you have hormone receptors for estrogen in every single organ and tissue in the body. So estrogen is not just going to act as a reproductive hormone to help stimulate ovulation to occur, but it actually is also needed for your brain um, and also for, especially for your bone health, um, which is why many women, once menopause happens and estrogen falls down, they have, um, they're at increased risk for osteoporosis. Um, now progesterone is produced after ovulation and it is responsible to maintain the uterine lining in preparation for pregnancy if that were to occur. Um, But again, just as estrogen, you have receptors for estrogen everywhere in your body. Same with progesterone. And one big thing about progesterone is that it acts um, on the GABA receptors in the brain to help produce relaxation. Um, Also, it's anti-inflammatory in the body to support healthy inflammation levels, and it supports heart health. So those are kind of the main reproductive hormones. Um, your thyroid just to give like a little blip um, thyroid supports your metabolism and regulates your temperature in your body and then your adrenal hormones um, like cortisol and DATA are responsible for your stress response um, and then there's testosterone um, it's made in small amounts in the ovary as well um, and responsible for muscle growth and development and also supports a healthy libido in women so that's kind of like a rundown
0: of (laughs) hormones. Wow, that was so informative. (laughs) That's a lot of information. So, circling back to when you had discovered that you had that hormone imbalance, what were, like, the signs or, like, symptoms that made you realize that you had, um, was it polycystic ovarian syndrome, is what you said?
2: Yeah, so, yeah, PCOS is the um, the shortened version. Um, And so with PCOS, um, for my, my personal symptoms were, Irregular cycles, so I was having like 60 to 100 days long cycles. Um, wow. I was having cystic acne and um, as well as like bloating and anxiety. So those are my main symptoms. Other symptoms associated with polycystic ovarian syndrome can also be what's called hirsutism when you have it's when you have like hair growth um, that's not necessarily normal. So like dark hair growth and that can be like on your chin. Um, and then um, Another one could be hair loss as well. Um, so those are just some other signs of PCOS.
0: Gotcha. So would you say now that you're able to, like, cure that, or is there
2: a cure for it? Or so technically, because it's a syndrome, there's no tech cure. Um, more people are playing around with the word remission okay. um, because what happens in PCOS is androgens like testosterone and DHT are elevated and that's what causes all the symptoms so if so technically in remission if you've gotten your testosterone and PHEA down you're having regular cycles your hormones are balanced so um you know they say there's technically no necessarily cure because you're always going to be susceptible to it but i would say it is possible to be in remission i think that's a good word for it okay
1: Hmm. nice so say a woman is experiencing irregular cycles um i feel like a a major symptom of that is if it's super long or if, I've also heard that your periods aren't supposed to be super painful. Um, so I'd love to ask you a little bit more about that. Um, but what would be some of the hormone issues that, uh, like, would that be like, would an irregular cycle result from, um, maybe improper nutrition or would it be a hormone imbalance? Like what would you, like if a woman came to you and said that she's experiencing irregular cycles, what would be your first, um, what would you what would you tell her to do first to start working on that? <laughs>
2: yeah, so it's definitely a loaded question, but it really goes back to that, I'm going to abbreviate it, the H- HPO axis, because if hormones aren't, well, I'm going to back up even further, what are hormones? Hormones are chemical messengers in the body. They're simply always observing your body's environment, say is it a safe time to secrete whatever hormone it is is it the right time to secrete whatever hormone it is and so hormones are responding to the environment of your body so if you're having irregular cycles or signs of hormone imbalance the answer is not to just attack the hormone but rather think deeper and say what is causing the signal to be off why does your body think it's a good idea to um, either not ovulate right now. So that's a long cycle. You know, what's, what's blocking that signal? So um, everyone has a very different root cause on what's triggering their own hormonal imbalance. So part of what I do when I work with women is really taking a, a comprehensive health history because that's going to give us indication of what's going on. So um, so when it comes to nutrition, the nutrition part, Um, Poor nutrition can lead to nutrient imbalances, so lack of nutrients, but it can also increase inflammation in the body. And when you have these two going on, this is going to tell the body, hey, it's not a safe time to have a baby right now because we have lots of inflammation and we don't have enough nutrients. So it blocks um, ovulation from occurring at the level of the brain. And then wow. that subsequently, then you don't have estrogen rising appropriately. And when estrogen doesn't rise appropriately, ovulation can occur in a healthy manner. And if ovulation doesn't occur, then progesterone can't be produced. So everything is a very long cascade of events. Um, and wow. that's why I hate when women are looking at blog posts. And it's like, do this thing, increase your progesterone. Mm-hmm. But it's really not that simple. Um, we got to take a way more comprehensive approach.
1: Wow. So it's very individualized. <laughs> and so... Wow. Um, so... Yeah. Um, so if you, yeah, so I know that you focus a lot on, like, your diet and mineral intake. Um, Mm -hmm. could you give us a little bit of an overview on that and, like, like, I know it is individual for each woman and their cycle, but what would you very broadly tell women that they need to focus on in terms of diet and mineral intake to help support their health?
2: Yeah, so diet, starting with diet, probably the best three things you could do is get rid of inflammatory oils like canola oil, hydrogenated oil, sunflower oil, um, because these are very highly, highly inflammatory. Um, They're going to disrupt gut function, which talking about gut and its connection to hormone is, you know, I could talk for hours about that as well, Um, but Mm -hmm. that's an issue. Um, it's causing cellular disruption, so lots of inflammation. It's not good. Cutting out oils can actually really change someone's life. I've seen that happen um, mm-hmm. without any like other cr- crazy stuff, um, you know, added. So um, then, at reducing, fast, and eliminating added sugars. So if you ever look at a processed food, you um, look at the food label, and under carbohydrates, you'll see. Um, a section for sugars and then added sugar. So it's literally sugar that's straight up added to the product. Um, You know, so Mm -hmm. these added sugars, again, are highly inflammatory and they're also going to cause blood sugar imbalances. Um, And blood sugar imbalances are going to lead to lots of hormone issues as well. So those are like just two things that you can start removing. Now, the last thing that I would say what can you add to your diet? Um, I'd say you know, as many non-processed whole foods as possible. You know, that's going to be pretty, this is like giving very large (laughs) advice, but just fruits, veggies, um, nuts, seeds, you know, meat, you know, just anything that you're not having like a package with. Um, If you start with those three steps, you're going to do yourself a lot of faith nutrition-wise. Now, when it comes to minerals, this is kind of a newer conversation that's coming out Um, because we're starting to see in the studies that a lot of women are deficient in certain minerals, like magnesium, zinc, copper, um, manganese, selenium, all of these different minerals. And this is because, A, a lot of people are eating lots of processed foods and refined grains, which are very um, low in minerals. Um, And C, just due to poor farming in America, uh, we also filter filter our water a tonne. Um, so we're just getting very low amounts of minerals than our ancestors were, to put it really simply. Hmm. And so when I start working with someone, I actually have them do a hair tissue mineral analysis test to see where their minerals are to get that targeted supplementation piece. Um, so yeah, it is pretty individualized, um, but we do something um, usually starting with a mineral mocktail, if you've ever heard of it. Yes, um, I have. And this is, yeah, and so <laughs> this is, something that has vitamin c sodium um, potassium and i also do magnesium and trace mineral drops with my clients so um yeah i love doing that it's a really easy simple start to just start increasing your minerals in your diet um and we see the, pretty much what i always do with people the first thing is increase energy and better sleep Um, because minerals are essentially the spark plugs to our cells. You cannot have any cellular reaction happen in your body without minerals as a cofactor. Um, so one of my new passions has been studying, um, nutritional biochemistry because if we understand how these minerals work at the level of the cell, um, it makes it a lot, it makes it like a lot more logical why we use them. Um, and why I'm almost not using like these hormone balancing herbs and things like that because your body technically doesn't need herbs to function; it needs minerals. <laughs> um, wow. So that has been uh, definitely a change in my practice over the recent, I would say, month. That awesome. is
1: that's incredible. I honestly didn't know a lot about how important minerals were. I've actually been following your um, mineral mocktail recipe, and I love to bring it to like Friday night. Yes, we make outs. them all the time. And they're like, oh, so is, that, is there alcohol in that? Here like, no, it's just a healthy little drink. <laughs> but <laughs> that's so fun. Um, yeah. yeah does yeah.
0: alcohol that's actually a good question Ooh, does yes. alcohol um have any sort of effect in like messing up your hormones <laughs>
2: um i hate this question people get mad at me but yeah <laughs> um so if we again look at how our body responds to alcohol and it's the way it processes it it literally processes alcohol like it's a poison yeah. um yep. and so it basically um Takes away your liver is a powerhouse and is responsible for it to help synthesizing nutrients, um, detoxing excess hormones, or just even just um, other toxins from your body. And so, when you have alcohol, all of your attention from the liver goes straight to getting alcohol out of the body. Um, and then it also can lead to poor uh, metabolism of estrogen and detoxification of estrogen, um, which then kind of this term estrogen dominance starts coming up. Mm -hmm. um and yeah so alcohol is is really not great for hormones um so (laughs) i would say you know if someone can at least just limit it to one or two drinks a week um that's definitely okay but having one or two drinks a day um can definitely be you know contributing to a hormone imbalance wow awesome that's
1: that's so interesting (laughs) yeah okay and just um i'm just personally interested like Okay, so the one to two drinks a week with that, like, would you say that red wine is probably the, your best option? Because my parents love that for the antioxidants. They, they're not Italian, but they act like they're Italian. They'll have a small little <laughs> glass every night at dinner. But they, they don't drink a lot, but I've heard that the benefits from that are really good. So do you know anything about red wine? Like, is that kind of an so, exception?
2: <laughs> um, no, honestly, okay. because so the antioxidant that's supposed to be in red wine is called resveratrol. And mm-hmm. it's in very, very low amount. And mm-hmm. so we see this a lot. It's called the French paradox, right? All, a lot of people in France drinking lots of wine, but they're healthy. Um, for the Mediterranean diet, if you've ever heard of that, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. they have red wine as their main source of, you know, alcohol. They do have alcohol. Um, and we really think we, as in the kind of nutrition world, is that these people are healthy in spite of their drinking red wine. And it's mm-hmm. due to their diet their whole diet that supports, you know, healthy overall function. And that way when they do have those low amounts of wine, their body can process it well. So I think it's more, personally, I think it's more that someone is healthy in spite of their drinking um, because of their lifestyle versus that it's that red wine that's really making a big difference in their health. Um, So Mm. You know, That's so interesting. If, so, yes, yeah, I drink. I do do. I do, do um, <laughs> I do drink red wine, um, but I get more of an organic version that does not have sulfites because sulfites can um, lead to issues, people, especially um, if they're sensitive to it. So, that is my personal drink, or okay. a, a cranberry oh. vodka, because cranberry helps support detoxification of the liver. So. You no, know, oh, good to uh, know. try good to, to help my body out. Wow, <laughs> so, thank you, oh, I love that. and red wine <laughs> so, Yeah, yeah cranberry <laughs> vodka, and I try to do it with like a little seltzer water, mm-hmm, um, there you so go. not For full hydration. of sugar. <laughs> um, but you know, but that's only like now. I mean, now that I am a mom, I'm not drinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. that's like weddings now. <laughs>
0: totally.
1: No, I I love that. I love that perspective. <laughs> we're
0: both in college, but we're like a
1: well Francesca
0: graduated. I, I graduated I'm on the verge of graduating and we're both just it
1: kind of past works. that era mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah. It gets yeah kind of old it's a good era
1: to be past, personally
0: and you feel yeah. so much better when you're not doing that every yeah. night anyway so
2: yeah exactly it's really hard like sometimes I've worked with a few college girls and it's sometimes just so hard because if they do want to work on their hormones they have to go against the status quo yeah um, because that is not the culture that is cultivating healthy hormones so you know telling someone hey you shouldn't wait you shouldn't like be up before in the morning you should go to bed (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well it's an
1: investment in your future and sometimes that takes a little bit of Mm -hmm. sacrifice but it's it's worth it if you're going to be a a mom someday and want to be able to take care of your kids the best and yeah yeah wait so going
0: back to what you were saying about the red wine in France because I'm just curious how the lifestyle is so different there they're just more active so do you think Mm. even america's culture especially i guess college students Mm -hmm. is just
1: way it's it's very sedentary and
2: worse it's the same situation with people who are gluten intolerant who like can't have gluten in america and then they go to europe and they can tolerate gluten just fine Mm. um the way that europe processes their food is very different than america um, so that's number one is the food is processed differently. There are also mm. certain ingredients and additives like, um, some food dyes, some fillers that are actually banned in Europe but not in America, yeah. So, that's yeah, insane. so there's, um, you know, that issue as well. They have, you know, less fillers, they have less dyes, they have less processed food. So, in France. Um, as you guys, I mean, I went there too, so, you know, you'll, you'll see that they have, like, a baguette for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah, they drink red wine, but they are very active. They pretty much walk everywhere. Um, and also, they do have smaller portions than America mm-hmm. as well. Um, mm-hmm. So, they, um, you know, they're just eating more whole foods. And so, their bread in the morning and their wine at night um, doesn't... I guess, like, over, overpower their, like, actual eating healthy during the day, and they're walking. So they're kind of healthy in spite of those two things. Um, and I think, especially the studies that we're starting to see on how these different um, chemicals, food dyes, and all these different things impact hormones, and just actually overall health, like, they they increase the risk of obesity, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease. Um, I think that's why they're a healthier, but We're definitely starting to see um, obesity and like people being overweight rise in Europe as well, because Mm. the standard American diet, as it's called, is slowly getting into other you know countries.
0: That's so sad.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're telling me (laughs) we're
0: gonna turn into the Wally world.
2: That's like my my worst fear. (laughs) Yeah, I always Uh, think. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's scary and it's sad, but Mm -hmm. then. I get to work with people and try to help them. So that's, that's yeah, my goal. That's beautiful.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next time.